I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. The show is brought to you by my company, Body Shop Performance. We create total solutions to optimize your health by focusing on sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. We work with busy professionals on a one-to-one basis for six or 12 months using the latest science and technology. And Body Shop also work with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Find out more at bodyshopperformance.com and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Move the Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer and my guest this week is one of the original guests I've ever had on the podcast. His name's Rob Grombeck. And if you want to hear our first recording with him, jump back to, uh, well, post the specific episode in the show notes. I think Rob's just told me it's 85, but it was actually recorded right at the beginning of this podcast journey. But more about Rob. He is the founder of The Brain Room in Australia. Uh, you can look up that uh, www.thebrainroom.com.au. And his vision within that business is to create a space and place for people to develop mental, emotional, and cognitive abilities. I'm going to find out a lot more about what that means in this episode. Rob's worked with coaches, athletes, students, and professionals to sort of up-level their cognitive and emotional intelligence. And to this end, he's sought all over Australia, at the very least, by various different organizations. And he's featured on lots of Australian media. And as I say, he's one of my original guests. It's a pleasure to welcome him back. Rob, hello. It's great to be back, Leanne. I love the podcast. This came about because I was messaging you on LinkedIn saying, hey, I love that podcast with such and such. So yeah, I love and adore it and love learning from all of your guests. They've been fantastic. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, let's get started. Tell us what it is that you do. What do I do? Well, I've done a lot of things over the years. I started off coaching after finishing my psych degree and it was really sports performance coaching using visualization relaxation to help people to relax their brains and their bodies and utilize that idiomotor principle where if you imagine something you can trick your body in thinking that you're doing repetitions of a forehand or making a speech or healing yourself so I taught people how to relax and how to use visualization something that one of my really earliest mentors Jeffrey Hodges from the Sports Mind Institute taught me many many years ago NLP neuro-linguistic programming. And I transitioned from that into um, helping people develop their cognitive attention. So their ability to pay attention to um, using their frontal lobes. Because when we think about the brain, we can think about the brain like we think about the body. There are different parts and each of them does a certain thing. If you want to exercise your legs, you do squats or running or jumping or whatever. If you want to practice and work on our attention or our visual attention, we need to do things which will activate and upregulate the the activity in the frontal lobes or the visual lobes, ideally both. So I used a program and have used a program for since 2014 called NeuroTracker. It's mm-hmm. a multiple object tracking 3D. We talked about it originally in the original podcast. And that's been a game changer on helping people to measure their attention because a lot of psychology is tick and flick. It's, oh, yeah, how you doing? Da-da-da-da-da. It's all very subjective. But how often can we get some kind of physical measure, an objective measure? And I've seen the fastest brains from young rugby players and soccer players to the oldest, slowest, most struggling brains of people with brain injuries and dementias and traumatic brain injuries. So it's been an amazing journey over the last five years, working with students, athletes, professionals, so helping them to stay focused 
The big focus for me at the moment is flow. I've been working with the Flow Genome Project and... Just tell us about, sorry, Rob, just tell us about the Flow Genome Project because I imagine that's new to quite a lot of people. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure I mentioned Stealing Fire right at the end of our conversation last time. Yeah. It's still one of my most recommended books. So that's by Jamie Wheel, isn't it, and somebody else? Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler. Yeah. That's right. Are they ex, um, ex-military men? No, um, Jamie's a anthropology history major, training big country, adventure, wilderness guide and corporate trainer. And Stephen is a journalist, a award-winning journalist and extreme enthusiast, broken heaps of tons of bones in his body and credits flow in helping him get over Lyme disease. Hmm. He was debilitated with that in a serious condition. Right, okay. And what those guys have really focused on or really shared the message is flow follows focus. Now, flow is that state when we're feeling our best and we're performing at our best. And flow follows focus. So when you're focused, when you're engaged, you're more likely to get into that state where everything's ticking. You've got the right amount of brain activity here, the right amount of neurochemical here, the right amount of heartbeat or heart rhythms there the right amount of warmth and looseness in your body to just perform to the best of your ability. And it feels bloody good too because you've got really nice chemicals flooding through your brain, flooding through your body. You might feel completely trashed at the end of it, but during it you feel amazing. (laughs) It's like going for a run and all those neurochemicals kick through and you feel unstoppable the next day. Those chemicals aren't there anymore and you you feel like garbage. You get that DOMS. And what I realized was that, I was really training flow, this neurotracker performance task was training focus because if flow follows focus, the more focused you can be, the more likely you're going to get into that state where time flies, you forget about yourself, your inner critic kind of turns off and everything just feels great. They talk about all these things in in stealing fire. And so focus, being able to train focus is a gateway into flow. So in hindsight, for two or three years, that's what I'd been doing. And now what I do is how can we find different ways how to how does someone who's blind train their focus and because this is a visual object tracking task so if you can't see well what do you do well what i learned is that there's some great things in regards to training visual attention and focus but it doesn't really help with the emotion or stability side and again this is what i talked about in the last conversation means that how can we use our breath and how can we use our attention towards our breath if we focus on our breath and we focus on long inhales and long exhales and then that we can again train our focus if we're if if our mind drifts away we start thinking about something else we can bring ourselves back a classic mindfulness move so what i do generally is i teach people how to train focus how to train it whether it's through visual training through juggling through balancing on a swiss ball through breath training through playing frisbee whatever the task might be and it's different for everybody how can you train focus? Because if you can train focus and upskill your focus, you're probably going to get yourself into flow. You're going to grease the wheels to make sure that you're more flow prone. So mm. I think on, on a broad scale, that's really what I'm doing these days. And just to top onto that, the element of play and playing for the sake of the joy of doing that, when you can incorporate play with a focus task, then your neurochemicals, your heart rate variability, your cardiac resonance, all these wonderful things tend to spike. And then you're left in this afterglow where you feel good, you're operating amazingly, and you've got maybe an hour or an hour and a half where you can now devote that state that you're in 
to high performance creativity, to solving problems which you might be stumped on, to having that difficult conversation or doing whatever. A mate of mine, Benny Wallington, talks about on-ramping where you prime yourself through having, he does it through intentional conversations. Every day he wants to get on the, on the phone or on a Zoom or in person and yarn and chat and vibe with someone and he gets this incredible flow afterwards and then afterwards he'll go straight into some kind of task for the day, his most important tasks. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so if, if we can help people to build their own morning routines or their afternoon routines to get themselves into these high-performance states that involves focus, flow, play and breath, then the performance will always be determined by your state. So really it's about getting people into state and the state of what? You know, the state of their cardiac coherence, the state of their brainwaves, the state of their blood oxygen or the state of their CO2, their carbon dioxide or, or the state of the muscle tension. There's a certain matrix for everybody where you get the right tumblers in the right spot and boom, you got flow. So how mm. can we make it so that you're, you're closer to that combination more regularly? So I like to say more flow, less low. I, I teach people how to get more flow and less low. Yeah, I so, love that. There's loads of things I want to follow up on there, Bob. But first of all, it sounds to me, and from knowing you, that this started off as something you used with athletes. Is that correct? Correct, yes. Yeah, but it... What you just said, I can see the applicability of that for anyone. So who, who is this for in broad terms, but specifically in the people that you work with? Yeah, for specifically, I'm generally working with students, athletes, often parents. I live in a fairly small town and I get a lot of concerned mums and, and, and dads and my, my kids struggling or I've got a young, young person who's dealing, who's getting frustrated. So, I mean, in terms of my local market, I'm working with a lot of young, young people and parents, but my most successes have, have come from, one, myself, because I'm a firm believer in scratch your own itch and follow your own journey and, and embody what it is that you're talking about. I used to, when we first chatted, I think I wasn't really practicing really a high-performance lifestyle, Leanne. I was probably about 25 kilos heavier. And one of my mentors looked at me and Jeffrey from Sportsmind, and I said, Jeffrey, I think I would like to get back in touch with you and, and your network. And he said, Rob, we don't take overweight academics. <laughs> I thanked him for that later on and he said no I never would have said that but that was the message I got but he was setting me a standard yeah. and this is the level that I expect in our network and it really hurt but it was tough love and it's really helped me to focus on my beach volleyball to focus on my fitness and my health and being a high vibrant high performance person so really it's about helping people who have goals and who, who want to achieve things and are probably suffering from levels of burnout or suffering from just an inability they need to get a boost so I mean you could say I could work with everybody I do work with people individually one-on-one mm. -on -one. I have a brain room where it's just like a gym and I've got these different devices and and things which we use just to ex exercise the frontal lobes or exercise the heart rate variability or practice calming or practice mindfulness with a band that goes over your head which measures your brain waves I do all that one-on-one -on -one, but in terms of coaching people in distance-wise, I really teach people how to find what is that activity that you used to do that maybe you stopped doing? You know, what is that play? And for me, that's been Tetris, part of the journey. And Tetris is that block game when you have to make lines. Yep. And I used to play it as a young man. And it gets harder and harder and harder. You have to make faster and faster decisions. And originally, and still to this day, it gets me in the flow 
And flow is a state where the skills that you have match the challenge of the task. And so a really high challenge with your best skills will make you feel like you are probably skiing down a slope that you're just not comfortable with, but you can just make it. And it's thrilling and it's scary and you don't know what's going to happen next, but somehow your unconscious takes over and you just find yourself performing and going, wow, what that was amazing. Yeah. So what are those challenges? It might be juggling. Like I said, for me, it was Tetris. For some people, it can be yoga. And finding out what that thing is. And generally it's something that's active. People say, oh, but isn't sitting and watching a movie flow or can I read a book and flow? Well, it's definitely focus and it's different, definitely engagement. But how do you up the challenge level? Like do you just try and read faster or do you try and, you know, binge more or, or... so? Well, I tell you, I have done something recently that's, that's up-leveled reading which is I've learnt there's been a television program on over here about a diarist who wrote partly in code and it's a simple substitution cipher code. So the letter P actually is R, for example, and it's also got some Greek symbols in there. And I've I've taught myself the code so I can decode portions of the diaries just for kicks really. But that's been yeah, quite cool. interesting. So you can, I suppose, up level your reading in one way, but that's it's yeah. been good brain training, which I know is very good for cognitive performance and cognitive longevity as well. I want to look at something you, you've just mentioned, three things that made my ears prick up. One was sort of the essence of play, which I think we've lost the art of, particularly as adults. So I'd like to talk more about that. Mm, yeah. HRV, we've talked about quite a lot on the podcast, heart rate variability, mm. but we could touch on that. Yep, you had Jason Moore on, a lot of people. Have- yeah. Yeah, I talk a lot about HRV, but also neurotransmitters that you've mentioned. So the ones we talk a lot about are dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. I think they're absolutely critical for good mental health, good well-being overall, good energy. Mm. Talk about what some of these flow training methods that you have, how they impact neurotransmitters and maybe which specific training methods can impact neurotransmitters in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so when I heard you just talk, I thought to myself, ah, acetylcholine, you know, is missing. And that's our focusing neurotransmitter. And that is when acetylcholine is there, we're more likely to learn, we're more likely to engage and our eyes all, all prick up. So choline, you get them from, from eggs and you can supplement with choline. And I think, you know, that's really important. And strangely and interestingly, nicotine very much links to acetylcholine. And one of the people that I learned from, Dr. Andrew Huberman, he'd be great to have on the podcast, by the way, um, from Huberman Labs over in Stanford. And he talks about some of his mentors are using nicotine because it has neurochemical properties. It works for a reason. You know, it's just unfortunate that most of the time you've got to suck it in and inhale a bunch of tar, but you can have gums or you can use a spray or a patch or inhalers. I'm not sure about the vaping. I don't know all about that. But in terms of the neurotransmitters for flow, definitely dopamine because you're anticipating reward. Mm-hmm. You know, your serotonin, you're getting a balance in your mood. Oxytocin, if you're doing group flow and working with people, you're starting to feel connection and bonding with people. Mm-hmm. And endorphins, you're starting to get that effortlessness where, yeah, you're working hard, but you're not feeling it anymore. Anandamide, which was one of the neurochemicals that comes about um, from THC and it's an endocannabinoid. So I think we talked and you wanted me to make sure that I discussed um, vagus nerve stimulation. 
Mm. As well as training, there's also stimulation. I'm not sure if I mentioned last time, but I definitely see that there's passive stuff you can do for your brain as well as active or active as well as passive. So active is like your neuro tracker or your box breathing or juggling or balancing or some kind of primal movement, you know, really good active stuff. You've got to focus. You might fall over. You might miss a ball. You might breathe in when you should be breathing out, whatever. But then there's some more passive stuff where you can take something like a TENS machine, a transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulator, add some ear clips to it, put it onto the vagus nerve near the ears because they, they poke out there, and you can start to electrically stimulate your vagus nerve and actually start to produce more acetylcholine up projecting up through your frontal lobes. And if you really start to create more focus, greater learning, and, so, and the reason I looked into that was because vagus nerve has been something which has been widely talked about and there's been implemented. But just on the vagus nerve stimulation, if people didn't want yeah. to use the gum or use the device that you've just mentioned, yeah. you can. so the vagus nerve, just briefly, is the nerve that runs throughout the body, isn't it? I think, is it Latin for wanderer, the word vagus? You got it. Yep, the yeah. tenth cranial nerve, yep. 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 And it's a key part of the parasympathetic nervous system, so it's part of our rest and digest functions. We can stimulate that in other ways. I'm thinking maybe more practical easy to do ways cold water yes that stimulates the vagus nerve as well doesn't it what other ways can people do that to try and get more parasympathetic dominance in other words more relaxed yeah well yeah and that's crucial you've got to be able to recover what goes up you know these peak states that you get you've got to come down you've got to have enough energy to go hard and spend all that near all those neurotransmitters and all that energy of regrouping and and rebuilding otherwise you will tap out and you will burn out and you wonder why you're feeling flat. So recovery is that one of the most important parts of, of the flow cycle. So in terms of being able to activate the vagus nerve, I've had people put their faces in an ice bucket of water, mm -hmm. and I've seen their HRV live just skyrocket straight up. Breath holds can be very good for that. Mm -hmm. I watched a TED Talk by the world record holder, Stig Severison, in regards to breath holding is a new black. My okay. colleague of mine just sent that to me. We'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. What else? Um, long exhales. I measure my HRV as a proxy for the health of my vagus nerve and my body's ability to regulate how rested am I. Because the vagus nerve is like the brake. It's important to have the brake. If you don't have a brake, you can only go fast. Mm. Would you want a car that only goes fast? No. You've got to be able to <laughs> slow down. Because exactly, you're going to spend all of your fuel and then you're going to go, well, where's all my fuel? It's also, I've never used this metaphor before, but I guess it's also like a automatic fuel generator because if the brake is on, it's almost like now you're refueling. So you can't be spending and replenishing at the same time. So if the brake is on and you're stopped, then, yeah, the body starts to, starts to fill in again. So in terms of being able to downregulate, hot and cold can be really good contrasting or one or the other. I use really uh, rather large size box breathing, so as, as, as big as I can. A box breathing for everyone is just simply the four phases of the breath are all equal. So in, hold, out, hold. People are thinking, I don't hold in between my in and out, and I don't hold in between my out and in. Well, you can. Yeah, and you're following the shape of a box as you do that in your mind. You got it, yeah. you got it. Or, or I'm, I'm laid up and nap. I just fly along with it because you sometimes count faster. Like I'll, at the moment I'm doing 16 second box breaths and I count to like 10 on the way in and the timer tells me 16 seconds has already passed. 
So my time is distorted and how quickly I, um, just like if you're trying to do a chin up and you're holding and you're counting, is that counting really going to be accurate? You know, because you're now you're struggling. It'll be seven, eight, nine, ten. So sometimes having that objective measure can be good because you think, you know, 10 seconds has passed and it hasn't, or you think 16 seconds has passed or whatever. I've been tracking that as well as doing Vegas sniff simulation and hitting the sauna as well. Yeah. Once a week for as hard as I can. And my heart rate variability is at the best it's ever been. I have the quickest rebounds that I've ever had. I'm 42, turning 43 in, in about a month's time. And my HRV is probably at the level of average 18 to 24-year-old, at least mm. based on elite, uh, elite HRV. Mm. So Brilliant. HRV being, being a, a metric for health, wellness, mood, ability to downregulate and ability mm. to go hard as well. Mm. So I think practice it, use your own stuff, and they're, they're the things that I'm doing. And one of my mates, Steve Brophy, absolute legend, he's, I think at the moment he's still off in the Australian wilderness going on a trek with some flow guys down there. He did a study as part of our flow genome training where he would take his heart rate variability using Weltory prior to going playing basketball with his children. So he was playing and then he would post tests and he found that that joy and connection, because the vagus nerve is also a social being. You look at Eric Porges and his polyvagal theory as one person to reference when we're connected and we're feeling safe, we get in sync and our, and our, our you know, you know, there's, there's a 10, uh, sorry, there's rest and digests and there's fight or flight, but I, there's also tend and befriend mm. and a tend and befriend is vagal. Right. Yeah. So Steve found that his vagal tone, his HRV was much better. His productivity, his energy his, uh, was up. His stress was down after he played with his kids and it might've been Lego. It might have been he had a few bruises from playing on the, on the swings down at the park with his kids. But, you know, that happens when you're playing at that risk challenge skills ratio. And it was an N of one, meaning he did it on his own. But he's found now he's convinced that play is the way. And it is. It's a beautiful way to be non-attached to the outcome, have a good time, focus, challenge yourself, get some neurochemicals, do it with other people. You can play Tetris on your own and that feels great, but I went to the Australian Tetris Championships earlier on in the year and playing Tetris live against someone, my feet went numb, my heart, I was in the zone. And people were like, wow, <laughs> Rob, you really turned it on once, the, once it came out and it was just a joy to share that with people. Yeah. So I, I know I've jumped a bit there, but in terms of play and vagal tone, I think it's all interrelated. Mm. And, yeah, there's a lot of good things, a lot of good talks on TED, or YouTube um, in regards to play and how that can help people, pip stories of people who have been depressed or really struggling with sleep or mood and, and just gone back to doing that thing they used to do as a kid. But now they poo-poo because we're too busy for it. It's an idea that we call heartfulness. It's reconnecting with something you used to love. Oh, I love that. You just don't have oh. the, t- you know, the, the, the convergent pressures of work and home have squeezed out any bandwidth you've got for That's it. That's beautiful. Heartfulness. Heartfulness. Fullness. I thought you said fondness. We made it up, but I'm sure we aren't the first. But, 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 but fullness is beautiful. That's lovely. We may not be the first to have coined that, but I, mean, I want to bring this together for people now. So we're talking about getting into the flow in a very intentional way. We can't be in flow all the time. 
So it's about understanding why I'm going on stage to do a talk or I'm sitting down to write a chapter of my book. Yes. Or even something, you know, I'm, I'm going out to play and I want to be in flow. I want to be in, enjoying it. So we're saying that focusing on HRV, mm. what you can do to tap into the vagus nerve, get a good vagal tone, as it were. If you go onto our website, bodyshopperformance.com, and on the top right-hand corner, you've got the drop-down menu, click on that, and there's a search bar. Just put HRV into that, and you'll get a ton of content on heart rate variability because it's something that Rob and I have talked about before, and I've talked about a lot with other guests. Neurotransmitters, so understanding how we can get really nice positive ways of producing dopamine. Mm. Oxytocin, which is the love and the bonding, you know, the doing things together. I, I go to spin classes and I'm doing one today actually. And I, I used to think I didn't like classes, but when you're at the front row and you're moving left and right to the beat with the whole yeah. of front row moving with you, which doesn't always happen, oh, or even the yeah. whole class in the mirror moving to, that's oxytocin because you're part of this group this, and we're in flow. It's amazing. Wow. Serotonin obviously is the mood stabilizer, endorphins. Beautiful. You get a lot of that through something like exercise, but other things. And that, that gets you into flow. And then, of course, play, intentional mm. play, you know, enjoying yourself, whether it's heartfulness, whether it's Tetris, playing with other people. And what you're saying, mm. I suppose, is if you can think about those kind of concepts, you will find yourself in flow. And if you need to be in flow, mm. do those things. Yeah, yeah. And I do work at a very conceptual level and use my own experiences because it is an N of one. It's like you've got to find out what works for you. Yeah. I recently did, did a workshop and we talked about I use an axis where I'll draw um, all quadrants and the poles are pleasant, unpleasant, active, and passive. Mm-hmm. So, for example, where would people put scuba diving? And some people said pleasant and very, I shouldn't use passive, I should bring, brings you up and kind of alivens you or kind of brings you down and calms you. And some people said, oh, very, very pleasant and very relaxing, you know, you're breathing, you're bouncing, you're buoyant. Mm. Other people said activating and horrible. I couldn't feel more claustrophobic and more activated than anything. It's the exact same thing, mm. but we react to it differently. So that's why it's about going on a self-exploration and asking better questions. Everyone's looking for the answers, but we need to be asking ourselves better questions. What gets me in the zone? What did I used to do that I stopped doing because I thought it was childish? But I really get a lot of great joy out of it. And I use that magic phrase, I get to today. Yeah. You know, I get to do this. I get to do that. And then we can start to, you know, self-quantify. We can use our HRV. We can take 360 feedback. We can do all these different things. So I think it's the reason I start with conceptual and I don't give answers necessarily is because I don't want to just give answers. I want to help more people start their own journey and finding your flow. Mm-hmm. And if you find more flow, you, you will get less low. But the kicker is that there's always going to be a low. Yeah. It might be a lull and we're always going to get punched in the face or sideswiped or accidentally upset or whatever. But when we have those things that we do on a daily basis, and here's where the hedonic calendar or the optimization calendar comes in. There are things we do on a daily basis, which, you know, get us, get us up. You, know, you talked about having sauna and a workout and a coffee, boom, you're ready for this conversation. But some things we can't do on a daily basis, like maybe we can't do a massage every day, but maybe we can do it every week, every fortnight or every month. Maybe some people can't do sauna every day. I do sauna weekly. What can we do monthly? I might float, use a flotation for each month or I might go for a trek in the bush for a month or there might be a yearly gig or a yearly festival 
that you might go to? What are those things that you just love to do and you would just be stoked to spend that money on that just fills you up, you lose yourself, you have a great time and it leaves you in a better place afterwards and then life becomes worth living. Then dopamine is hooked to where I get to work out tomorrow or I get to have a massage this week or I get to float this week or I get to go to San Francisco in two weeks to attend the Transformative Technologies Conference and I get to go go surfing with some guys that from the Flow Genome who, are, who, who we're going to hook up with and, and it's, it's get to. So instead of, oh, I get to or, or I'm hooked on what someone's going to tell me on, on Instagram or I'm hooked on looking at those likes and seeing if anyone replied to me, which I'm still guilty of, if we're going to try and get our dopamine, our reward, our anticipation, if we want to take control of that and not have these suckers yeah. in app yeah. and social media land, you know, driving us, we've got to create our own calendar. Yeah. We Sorry, we get to. We get to create our own calendar where we have a year where we just freaking look forward to everything. And, yeah, we get smashed. We get people tell us that they're going to people steal our money or someone breaks into our house or our car breaks down, but you're far more resilient because yeah. you've got all these chemicals that are going through you because of your daily basis, your weekly things. And I think you said it there. It's, it's control as well. It's, it's retaking a bit of control over your mental and physical well-being. So I'm going to have to wrap this up, unfortunately, Rob. Yeah. I got in a bit of a flow there. <laughs> no, don't worry. That was the whole point of this. So thank you very much for your time. I appreciate that. I hope that, that people listening in. My absolute pleasure, Leanne. I love what you do. Thank you. I hope that, you know, listening in, you, you've got a lot from that as well. Explore more of Rob's work. So Rob Gronbeck, G-R-O-N-B-E-C-K. And if you put Rob Gronbeck Australia, if there's any doubt, you'll definitely find Rob. Look into his work. Um, he's Rob Gronbeck on Facebook, Rob Gronbeck on LinkedIn, The Brain Room, robgronbeck.com. Robgronbeck.com. Okay. So there we go. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Thebrainroom.com.au is your website. Yeah, I've just started that today. <laughs> Rob, thank you very much. Yeah. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, www.bodyshotsperformance.com and click on Take the Test. It'll take you through to a short two to three minute test. And at the end of that, you'll get a scorecard and a free 39 page report based on our six signals, sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please think of someone who could really benefit from the content and hit that share button and send it across to them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you very much for listening.